0: Rookie Big Board. I'm your host, Matt Hicks, the FF Educator. We are continuing on with this Thanksgiving week trend of positional preview breakdowns. So this time I am giving you the quarterback position breakdown. I break down my top 10 quarterbacks that you need to know in the class. It's once again in video format. So if you don't know, you can head on over to Rookie Big Board. Uh, and watch video breakdowns of this content. But in the meantime, folks, if you are not already in on the Rookie Big Board, you got to make sure you take advantage of it, get ahead of your league mates, full draft breakdown, insight in the Discord, patreon.com slash rookiebigboard. All right, go ahead and enjoy the quarterback preview episode. Draft season is quickly coming upon us, and it is my favorite time of the year. I am here to break down my top 10 quarterback prospects heading into the 2024 class. And at the quarterback position, it's looking like a year where there could be a real impact on the fantasy football landscape. As I go through this video, if you enjoy it, do me a favor and leave a comment on this video. It's going to allow me to answer your fantasy football questions, and it's going to get more eyes on it. Always appreciate if you give it a like as well, but let's go ahead and get into it here with quarterback one, Caleb Williams. Yes, Caleb Williams, he's had a little bit of an up and down season in 2023 after coming off of a huge Heisman campaign in 2022, but at the end of the day here, Caleb Williams is still my quarterback one at least up until this point in the process. There is still plenty of time, and it certainly is close between him and quarterback two, who we'll get to in just a second. Caleb Williams, he's a five-star prospect coming out of the Washington, D.C. area. He commits to Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley coming out of high school, takes over Spencer Rattler's job halfway through his true freshman season, and then follows Lincoln Riley to USC, where last season he won the Heisman Trophy. This season, the results have been a little bit more mixed. Nonetheless, I do expect him to go off the board very early in Superflex Draft, certainly within the first four picks, and I do expect him to go off the board early in the NFL draft as well. I expect he'll be a top 10 selection. In all reality here, he'll likely be top three selection at the very least, if not the first overall choice in the NFL draft. Now, when I do my value comparisons here, it's important for me to take a moment each video and point out this is not a stylistic comp, but I am giving you a direct comparison to the current dynasty value that I put on a prospect compared to how he would equal out in my dynasty rankings. One of the really cool things I think about the Rookie Big Board is that you're able to actually see all of the prospects together. So you could see right now that Caleb Williams is right next to Joe Burrow in my rankings. Those are available over at patreon.com slash rookie big board, along with the full evaluations for all of these players, in-depth tape analysis, and certainly some of the deepest rankings you'll see around, I'm already 30-plus prospects into the 2024 class. That's more than some sites do total, and it's, of course, only November. Now let's get into Caleb Williams's game a little bit. So what makes Caleb Williams so special? When you're looking at Caleb Williams here, you're looking at a player with game-changing arm talent. He shreds defenses. He shows the ability to change velocity very well at all three levels of the field, And he does have good pure arm strength as well. He can push the ball 45, 50-plus yards downfield. And he's going to fearlessly fire a ball on a rope through tight windows. Now, of course, that works well sometimes. That doesn't work well other times. Uh, But he does work really nice arm angles as well. And this is where you'll see the the Pat Mahomes comparisons, right? As a one-to-one prospect, that's not fair to put on anybody. But you'll see his ability to improvise on the run, his ability to to make a scramble or make a big throw out of a broken play. And he's asked to do that a lot at USC. So sometimes he will drop his arm angle three quarters all the way down sidearm. uh, And he finds these windows and these angles that seemingly don't exist. He has that vision to be able to see that on the field. And then you're going to pair that passing ability here With the ability of just pure athleticism, and I talk about this all the time, right? There's mobility and there's athleticism, and from the quarterback position, when you have athleticism, you have high fantasy football upside, and Williams is a pure athlete. He'll burst through space when he's running. He has really good field vision. He can accelerate upfield very nicely when he's given space. He's willing to be physical. Uh, So he's willing to put his shoulder down, scrap out that extra yard that could come in really handy, you know, in terms of uh, executing design runs at the goal line. Uh, He'll be evasive when he is on the move. So he does have some of that elusiveness, Uh, but he's also smart with the ball. I said he's willing to drop his shoulder when he needs to. He's also very willing to slide. He avoids contact when he needs to. So I'm not worried about, uh, you know, injuries. Uh, because of the way that he runs the ball. So when you look at Caleb Williams here, he is out in the lead still for me at the quarterback position. There will be concerns in terms of his decision-making, uh, the mechanics. They They looked a little inconsistent at times, especially his throwing platform. I think a lot of that is the result of the offense there at USC, the lack of offensive line. I think the scheme is asking him to do too much. I think when you put him in an NFL offense, he'll be settled down into the pocket that coaching staff will settle down as mechanics. Because if you go back to last year, the mechanics are there, right? So the foundation is there. What you're looking at with 2023 is a, is a diversion from a really good mechanical platform, a diversion from comfortability in the pocket, right? So I think you put him back in a in a better situation in the NFL, he's going to be able to succeed. He's going to be able to thrive. And as a fantasy football manager, you're going to get somebody with, with major upside, the ability to score on the ground and through the air. So let's go ahead and move on here to quarterback two, and that is going to be Drake May, the quarterback out of North Carolina. And I got to tell you, QB1 versus QB2, it got a whole lot closer when I put these players under the film evaluation, including 2023, compared to just when I was looking at the 2022 film. And that was a little bit of regression from Caleb, but it was a big step forward from Drake May. Uh, So when you're looking at Drake May here, We're going to go ahead and look at a really well-rounded profile. So Drake May is coming in at 6'4", 230. So he has a little bit of that more prototypical NFL size to him. He also is a five-star prospect, highly touted. It was a big deal when North Carolina landed Drake May as a prospect. It really helped kind of give them that boost after, in the middle, I should say, of the Sam Howell era. So he comes over, he takes over the team last season, and he immediately performs at a really high level. And this season, actually, if you look at the stats, I don't think the stats are actually better from last season. But if you look at the film, you're going to see a, a big improvement, and we'll get into that here in a moment. But first, want to point out here, he's going to go in the first four picks of your Superflex drafts as well. He could fall to 103 depending on you know how excited we are about Marvin Harrison Jr. And if you watch the wide receiver video, you know you should be very excited about Marvin Harrison Jr. And if you haven't watched the video, make sure you go ahead and subscribe now to the Rookie Big Board so you don't miss any of these videos. we got a whole lot more coming down the pike, including individual rookie profiles, full breakdowns on every player that we're talking about here in these preview, positional preview episodes. But anyways, back to Drake May here. My dynasty value comparison for him is to of Iloa all right, so, and I was really high on Tua coming out. I was one of the the guys who was higher on Tua coming out, uh, but I always projected him as this borderline QB one, but a really consistent QB two. And When I say QB1, QB2, a QB one, QB two, a QB one is is one of the top twelve quarterbacks. Uh, In the NFL for fantasy football purposes, and then a QB two would be in that 13 to 24 range, right? A reliable guy who you're going to be able to put in your weekly lineup, you're going to feel good about them, and they could have some QB one weeks, right? And that's what I see from Drake May. And so if you look at the, the rookie big board rankings, boom, right across... He has the same value right now as two attack by Tagovailoa. A dynasty startup pick probably in the third round next year, right? We prioritize that quarterback position in Superflex rankings. So let's go ahead. Let's get into that tape that I was talking about here. When it comes to Drake May, the arm strength definitely jumps out of the page early on here. It's hard to not see that first. You pair that with some really nice mechanics. And what I love about his mechanics, if you were a Rookie Big Board patron, you would have read my summer scouting report. And I said that I was worried about his feet. His feet were very inconsistent. He left his platform often. He left his body open too often while throwing. Those mechanics, they got a lot tighter this year, and I love to see that from prospects. I talk about this all the time. I want to see improvement from prospects, and I definitely saw that improvement from year one to year two as the collegiate started with Drake May. He's comfortable working in the pocket. He stands tall under pressure, so he is not phased. And, folks, i got to tell you, the, the North Carolina offensive line, it's not the best one to work behind. So he really is able to stand tall in the pocket. He'll take a hit under pressure. He'll get that throw off. I think that's something that translates really well to the next level. We'll talk about his arm strength a little bit more here. I want to point out the fact he can push that ball uh, 50 plus yards downfield, but in the short field, in the midfield, it's a tight spiral, folks. He can fit the ball into really tight windows, uh, and it can be really impressive. Uh, not only his ability to hit in those tight windows, but to adjust velocity. That's something I really like to see when I'm looking at Arm Talent. He adjusts velocity very well. He has underrated athleticism in in my opinion um i think he really uh is a physical runner he's a quick runner uh, for the quarterback position he could beat linebackers to the edge but he's also not afraid to go and take them on head up uh, he doesn't look to scramble first I, I really appreciate that in a quarterback prospect but when he does scramble he can burst into the midfield i see drake may being used as a rusher a lot like the Bills and Brian Dable use Josh Allen. So the fit here that I would love to see is Drake made to the New York Giants, right? Uh, I think that would be a really clean fit, and I think they could use him as a runner, and use his arm talent in a very similar way. I'm not drawing one-to-one comps as prospects because Drake May is actually a lot further along as a prospect than Josh Allen was, but just in terms of the way that they can be utilized and the way that they can make an impact on the fantasy football landscape. So this is where things are going to open up a little bit here. Most folks, Caleb Williams, Drake May, quarterback one, quarterback two, maybe they mix up the order here, but It's going to be pretty much that order. This is where things get wide open with the class. And there are two more prospects that I expect to go in the first round of the NFL draft. The first one is going to be J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback out of Michigan. Now, I've been higher on J.J. McCarthy pretty much All the way back since summer scouting, I feel like the consensus, even going back to last season, J.J. McCarthy has been doing things that I really like. And although I know he doesn't have a perfect prospect profile, I do think it's one that we can get really excited about. So let's go ahead and dig into this profile a little bit more here. J.J. McCarthy, he's coming in at 6'3", 202, a four-star prospect, another guy that was highly touted and a really big get for his program. I know you're thinking about Michigan. Michigan brings in high profile recruits, but if you look at their recruiting history, a high four-star recruit is actually on the higher end of the guys that they tend to uh, recruit, especially at the quarterback position. And and, uh, Jim Harbaugh has talked a lot about the fact that he feels JJ McCarthy is the best quarterback that he's ever had at Michigan, or I believe his quote is actually that it's ever been at Michigan, but that's certainly really high praise to live up to. Now, I do think J.J. McCarthy will be the third quarterback drafted in the NFL draft. If I had to project right now, I'd put him in that day one mid, which is that 11 to 20 range, You know, kind of where Justin Fields went. You know, that's the type of range that I feel like with J.J. McCarthy. But if he went top 10, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. I do think NFL front offices are going to like J.J. McCarthy maybe more than Twitter does. And in terms of when I'm worried about with the value of a fantasy football prospect and when I'm projecting draft capital, I care a lot more about what I think the NFL thinks than what I think Twitter thinks, right? Certainly. Uh, but if you look at that super flex ADP, I think it's going to be more in that 105 to 108 range. I don't think that he's going to go uh, necessarily in those top four picks, but I do think he'll go soon after that, especially if you think about the value of a quarterback with that type of draft capital in a super flex format. My uh, value comparison right now for JJ McCarthy is going to be Dak Prescott. You know, so Dak Prescott—he's a guy who you're putting in your—and Dak's having a great run of form right now. But you have to pair that up with his age. So a guy that you're going to feel comfortable again, slotting into your lineup really consistently has a little bit of upside here. This one, I do actually think there's a little bit of stylistic comparison uh, in terms of, of the way that they run the ball. But we'll get—we'll—you we'll, know—let's get into it. Let's get into the tape review here for JJ McCarthy. I don't want to start with his rushing ability, which is the comparison I was going to make there with Dak Prescott, because I want to talk about his mechanics. I think J.J. McCarthy has one of the best, if not the best mechanical foundations in the class. And that is something that is really, really important for me at the quarterback position, because there's a lot that, that stems off of that mechanical foundation. So I think he has really consistent footwork, and I think that really helps him when passing and navigating in the pocket. He has a fluid, clean throwing motion, he has a, a a quick release, a really smooth release to his game. He keeps his body closed. He's got a really good follow through to his ball, and he saw a big jump from 2022 to 2023. Now, remember, JJ McCarthy took over the starting job uh, in in uh, well into the 2022 season, so he's only had one full offseason to develop and grow as the starting quarterback. And I do think he took a really nice step forward going into this. Uh, going into this part of the final part of the college football season, I really like his ability to lead receivers through the short and midfield. I think he puts the ball where his receivers are going to get it, uh, and defensive backs can't. Now, you know, he has some interceptions on tape. He's got a really nice touchdown interception ratio. You look at those uh, interceptions, that's poor decision-making. That's not poor ball placement, right? You can coach up decision-making. It's hard to coach up ball placement. And J.J. McCarthy, he has really good ball placement. And I don't want to sit here and try to knock his wide receivers, uh, but he doesn't have the the most talented wide receivers, but I think he gets the most out of them, which is a really important trait for a quarterback to have. Uh, I do think he works through his progressions well to find his best option. He's willing to be patient in the pocket and he, and he feels pressure well. Now I will say He has one of the best offensive lines in the country, so it's easy to be patient when when being in the pocket right behind the Michigan offensive line, maybe compared to a guy like Drake May or Caleb Williams that we just talked about. But he uses what he has, and he's comfortable in the pocket, and I think that's a really good habit to form. I think he has really nice velocity on his ball through the midfield, and he can fit that ball uh, on a rope into a tight spot. Um, I will say, you know, if we're being fair to his profile, I do think that arm strength and that accuracy drops off into the deep field. So I think J.J. McCarthy does most of his damage and will continue to do most of his damage in the short and midfield. And that's not to say that he can't hit his receiver deep, because he certainly can, but that's not going to limit him as an NFL player, right? There's there's plenty of NFL quarterbacks that do the majority of their damage in the short and midfield. And I think J.J. McCarthy can be really effective doing that, especially when you compare that, to what I would consider to be a really uh, sneaky athletic profile here. He brings effective mobility to the quarterback position. He's light on his feet. He's effective rolling out. He's dangerous throwing on the run. On broken plays. And this is something that's really important for me when I'm talking about a quarterback on the run. Even when he's moving, J.J. McCarthy is looking to pass. And J.J. McCarthy's accuracy and his mechanics do not drop off while he's throwing on the run. I think that's a really special trait. I think that's a rare trait. And I think that's one that's not talked about enough when it's talking about the upside for fantasy football purposes, especially of J.J. McCarthy. So I think there's a lot to like here about J.J. I'm happy to continue being higher than consensus on him. All right let's go ahead and get into my QB4 here and that's going to be LSU's Jaden Daniels. Now Jaden Daniels is somebody who I have been locked in on since he was a true freshman at Arizona State and if you go back you could check the track record here. I'm not sure there's been a bigger Jaden Daniels fan all the way back So you can imagine my elation with this senior campaign that he's putting together. He's put it all together, folks. So let's get into this profile here. Jaden Daniels, 6'4", 210. He has packed on a lot to that frame. If you remember back to true freshman Jaden Daniels, he looked like a skinny dude. And he certainly still has a slender frame, but it's a lot more built out. Four-star prospect. I mentioned he started at Arizona State. The Herm Edwards situation there, coaching turnover, a lot of turmoil, and Jaden Daniels transfers up. He transfers up to LSU, and at that point in time, so many people left Jaden Daniels for dead, but he won that starting job over in a really tough competition last year, and he has not given up that starting job, and of course, that has paid huge dividends for both himself and LSU in this season. I do expect that he will be a first round draft pick, but I do think it's going to be later in the first round. So my draft capital bucket is 21 to 50. uh, And so I think he's going to be in that twenties range. Uh, So I do think he's going to get that coveted first round draft capital. My value comparison here is Russell Wilson, a high end QB two with QB one upside here. So that, that for me is Jaden Daniels. If you look at the rookie big board rankings, those guys are right next to each other there. And again, that's available to everybody, Patreon.com slash RookieBigBoard. I'll put the link in the episode description. Now, when you're talking about Jaden Daniels's tape, there is a whole lot to talk about. And when I'm talking about my quarterback prospects, I like to make a point to really start with their passing profile. Uh, because in, in, in Daniels's case, he has a great passing profile, but he is such a special athlete. I have to talk about his explosive and elusive running style here. He beats defenders in a variety of ways on the ground. He is slippery, innovating pressure from within the pocket and outside of the pocket. He has great bursts through the midfield, and he will burn SEC defensive backs, folks. Like, this man is legit fast, fast. I cannot wait to see what his 40 time is, because you have to imagine he's going to run the 40, one of the few quarterbacks that will run the 40 in Indianapolis. He has good short area quickness. He can juke defenders in tight and open space. Uh, So he can do a lot on the ground. Now, I will say the one thing I don't like about his running style, he will take unnecessary hits. He will try to do too much at times. And that is something that, you know, I do think he's going to have to be coached up on a little bit more. Quite frankly, I think Brian Kelly is happy to just let the man cook and take over the LSU offense. He'll need to get reined in just a little bit here in terms of his rushing ability at the next level, but it's still pretty special. But let's talk about his passing ability because I think he's got a really nice set of mechanics to him. He's he's has a smooth, consistent throwing motion that's important to me. A solid release finishes well through his throws. He keeps a good platform, good footwork. Even when he throws on the run, he makes a point to get those feet underneath them Uh, get them set when he's mobile and he needs to reset to throw the ball. He will take time, put those feet down to be able to make his pass. I think he works through his progressions well, even under pressure. He can zip that ball through the midfield, All right, And he can show the ability to push it 45, 50 yards downfield. He can get it into the deep field. He might put a little bit more air underneath it, but he can get that ball downfield. But I think what's more important is his ability to lead guys with impressive anticipation. If you want to talk about one of the biggest leaps on tape from 2022 to 2023, you talk about Jaden Daniels' touch, ability to adjust velocity, anticipate, and lead his wide receivers down the field. It is really, really impressive. Uh, you look at some of his fade passes. You go watch that Ole Miss tape. Watch that Alabama tape from 2023. Uh, it, it's really impressive. It, it really is. Uh, and, and seeing that step forward is super encouraging for me. A lot of people knock older quarterbacks. A lot of people knock guys that take five years. If you're improving and getting better every single year and taking legitimate steps forward, not just in production, not just in stats, but in actual tape, and actual mechanics, in actual anticipation, things that are tangible and translate, then I'm good with you taking five years, six years in college. I don't care because if you enter the league at 25 and you put together 10 great fantasy football seasons for me, I'll be more than happy to spend a late first-round pick on you. And that's where I think Jaden Daniels' super flex ADP is going to be. He's a super high upside player. I'm really excited about him. It's all coming together for Jaden Daniels, and I think it's going to come together very nicely for your fantasy football roster. So those are the big four guys, Caleb, Drake, J.J., Uh, and Jaden Daniels. We're going to move through the next set of guys at a little bit uh, brisker of a pace. And I want to point out as well, there's going to be a couple names here I'm going to mention at the end. You're not going to hear the names, uh, but at the end, I'll talk about guys who I think are going to return for next year's class, so I didn't put them in this film breakdown. And then just like the wide receivers episode, I'm going to finish with another set of notable names to watch because there definitely will be guys who we're not talking about a ton right now who will rise through the draft process. But let's go ahead and let's talk about Oregon quarterback Bo Nix. He comes in at quarterback five here in my rankings, and he certainly has an intriguing profile, but it's definitely a step down from any of the guys that we've talked about at this point. So Bo Nix, four-star recruit. He was highly touted going to Auburn. He comes in at 6'2", 217. Bo Nix puts together three big seasons at Auburn. True freshman season was really impressive. Then he struggled through the end of one coaching regime, the introduction to a new one, which was a total mess under Brian Harsin. Uh, he transfers out. He gets to Oregon, and his career resurgence is at the next level. A really great 2022 campaign, and he is putting together a legitimate Heisman season here in 2023, along with Jaden Daniels. I didn't mention that. Jaden Daniels' stats are just absolutely bonkers this year. Uh, but Bo Nick certainly has a really competitive chance at the Heisman as well. Really nice touchdown to interception ratio, which is something that I I, th- I like a lot, I think translates well. But when you look at Bo Nix here, I think we're talking about somebody who's more of a day two late prospect, right? And there's nothing wrong with that uh, from the quarterback position here. As we get further into the quarterbacks here and we talk about some of the depth of the position, I know some folks don't want to hear it. They don't want to dig that far in. But we're currently heading into week uh, 12 of the NFL season in 10, 10 quarterbacks are starting this week that were drafted on day three or went undrafted. So it's important to understand the depth of this quarterback class, right? But when you look at Bo Nix here, I think he's a late day two selection. My dynasty value comp here is is Derek Carr. I think he's somebody who can be a a long starter in the NFL. If he lands in the right situation, you know, maybe he doesn't start right away. He can, he can work into that starting spot, but I don't know that he's ever going to give you QB one ceiling. But you need Derek Carr in your roster, right? You need that depth, especially in Superflex leagues. And if you could get that depth here in the mid to late second round, which is where I expect Bo Nix will go based on this draft capital projection, I think that's a really nice value return for you. When you're looking at his profile here, Bo Nix, he takes the command of the offense. He's a leader. You can see that intangible nature, and that does. I know sometimes fantasy folks hate to hear that word, intangibles. It matters. It matters for NFL front offices, and it matters for draft capital, and it matters for your opportunity to get on the field. And at the end of the day, folks, that's what we're chasing. We're chasing opportunity uh, for these guys to show off what they have. What does he have? Bo Nix has a lot. I love his ability to be accurate through the midfield, he, he leads his receivers very well. He hits them in the right spots. He puts it right on target, right in the chest, right where they're going to be. Uh, I think he displays the ability uh, to, to really adjust velocity well, put a nice touch on his ball. He has really, really good decision-making. That's something that's really important for me for the type of player that I just described with Bo Nix. If you don't have those those necessarily high, high upside traits, you need to have good decision-making because that's going to help you you know stay in that starting quarterback role. He uh he can push the ball 40, 40 40 45 yards downfield so he can get it into the deep field and I do think he has pretty nice zip on his ball through uh the midfield. Now Nix is athletic enough to beat defenses with his legs. He's quick enough to gain yards when given space. And actually if you go and you watch the tape like he can break a defender. All right, he can make a guy miss there. Um And what I like about Bo Nix, specifically the way he uses his athleticism, he'll move the pocket, he'll scramble, but he's using that athleticism to try to open up passing lanes. And when he finds those lanes, he's definitely willing to be a mobile passer. He's willing to take advantage of those opportunities as they pop up. So certainly a guy to watch here. Now, my quarterback six, it might surprise some folks, but let's put on the sleeper alert here. I think Michael Pratt out of Tulane is really going to rise up draft boards. Now, I think he can sneak into day two of the NFL draft, and that would certainly spike up his fantasy football value. So let's talk about the profile here of Michael Tulane, or Michael Pratt out of Tulane, I should say. 6'3", 220, three-star recruit. You look at him here, I'm projecting him to be an early third round super flex pick. Again, he doesn't have that big name recognition, but if he gets that draft capital, he should still be going late second round, early third round. Uh, and my dynasty value comparison for him is Geno Smith, You know, a reliable guy that you can roll out there. There's some mobility to him and some some of that, uh, but also just a really consistent passer and thrower. You put him in the right spot, and he can really be a, a reliable, consistent QB 2, QB 3 in your lineup here. So let's talk about Michael Pratt. Let's talk about this uh, this tape profile here for the 6'3", passer out of Tulane. I think he's got a really reliable mechanical foundation. He's got clean footwork. He throws on-platform consistently when in the pocket. He has a smooth throwing motion. He's got a really quick release. I really like his release. He feels pressure well. He's willing to stay in the pocket. He's willing to take a hit while making a pass. Now, he doesn't have a rocket arm, but he has enough arm talent to win in the NFL. And I think this is something that folks miss on often when when doing quarterback prospects. You get locked in to that quarterback throwing that 50-yard bomb, right? Oh, he could push it 55 yards downfield. What are quarterbacks doing most of the time in today's NFL? They're throwing the ball 10 yards. They're throwing the ball 15 yards. Maybe they're pushing it 20, 25 yards. They're pushing it through the midfield. And if you can win in the short and midfield, it doesn't matter if, if you can win in the deep field consistently in the NFL. You can be a starting quarterback and you can be a successful one. So, and and let me point out here, Michael Pratt can, can throw a ball into the deep field and he can throw it accurately in the deep field and he can lead his receivers well, but it's not as much pure arm talent. And that's what you're going to see out of a three-star recruit, right? A guy who's playing at Tulane from the group of five, but he can do what he needs to do to be a successful quarterback. And he has enough arm talent to get that job done solid velocity through that midfield really helps offset that he leads receivers with good anticipation. And I really like his legitimate rushing threat ability as well. You're going to see that I'm going to prioritize that throughout my process here. This is fantasy. We're talking about folks, when the quarterback can move, they get bumped up in my rankings. He's got good burst. He can beat defenders in short space. He's willing to drop his shoulders, willing to get physical, but I, he, I see him as somebody who could execute design runs. I see him as somebody who could be a rushing threat in the red zone. All right. That's, that's transferable folks. That's transferable for fantasy purposes here. Uh, Now I will point out here, you get a lot more group of five tape towards the end of the season. And I'm early on these guys. So Michael Pratt is somebody who I'm going to go back and I'm going to get more film on. If you got two lane film, let me let me know where you got it. So now we're gonna move on here to quarterback seven, and that's gonna be Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. Now, if I had to guess, and feel I want I want to hear it, but if I had to guess, this is what I'm gonna get the most comments from. This is what I'm gonna get the most questions from putting Michael Penix down here at number seven. And I listen, go go check out the wide receiver comments. I love these comments. I love going back and forth with you talking about it. Uh, you may not always agree with my takes, but I'm always going to explain my takes. I'm always going to take the time to do that with Michael Penix Jr. There's a few points that are concerning for me, and a few reasons he's down here at quarterback seven. And I'm by no means totally out on Michael Penix Jr. I just this is the appropriate value that I see on him here. So let's get into the Michael Penix Jr. profile and let's talk about this. He's coming in at 6'3", 213. He was a three star recruit. He started off at Indiana. He ends up transferring to Washington. Now, I expect him to be a day two late selection in the NFL draft, and I know, I know, I've seen so many mock drafts where he's going as a top 10 pick, where he's going as a first round pick, we'll talk about that here in a second, but my projection, day two late for him, I see that value comparison as Will Levis, I think he's going to be a little bit divisive, whenever you have that divisiveness that drops your value, right, because there's only so many people in your league that you can trade this guy to. So, I, I, I see this divisiveness, I think if he gets a shot, he certainly can impress, but Will he be able to do that consistently at the next level? That's the question I have. Nonetheless, he's got a lot of hype surrounding him. So I project him to be a mid-second round pick. All right? So even though I have him ranked lower than Michael than Michael Pratt, I think he goes before Michael Pratt. Even though I have him ranked lower than Bo Nix, I think he could easily go before Bo Nix, right? Um, So that's the difference there between my rankings and projecting rookie ADP because I take consensus into account because I'm not drafting the other 11 teams in your league, right? (laughs) The consensus out there, your league mates are making those picks. So the reason I have him as a day two selection, late day two selection, is primarily the significant injury history. And I think when we're talking about Michael Penix Jr., a lot of people want to really write off, like, let's just ignore that fact. Let's ignore it. You can't ignore the injury history with Michael Penix Jr. So let's dig into that here before we even dig into his tape, because it's going to help us set up uh, the six-three-two-thirteen passer here out of Washington. So he has suffered two separate ACL injuries in 2018 and 2020. All right, he's also suffered a joint separation in his throwing arm in 2021 and then a, a separate shoulder injury in 2019 to his other arm. So he went ACL injury in 2018, shoulder injury in 2019, ACL injury in 2020, uh, joint separation in 2021 to his throwing arms. While he was, he was the starter at Indiana for three seasons, he played in 18 games in those three seasons. Now, in Michael Penix's Jr.'s defense, He has not been injured in his two seasons at Washington, right? But that doesn't matter for NFL teams. When you go to the combine in Indianapolis, one of the biggest things, it's not just running the 40, the combine exists. It's in place because of medical checks, medical histories, medical backgrounds. That's what teams are trying to find out here. And when it comes to Michael Penix Jr., if a team checks out those knees If the teams check out that shoulder and they feel there is long-term damage, significant damage, they don't move him down their board. They take him off the board. So I think Michael Penix Jr., there's a realistic possibility that he's off some team's boards, right? And so as you continue to to pull him off the boards, and he's not one of the top two or three quarterback prospects, I think, across the board, that's pretty well recognized, that your options start to run out for teams that need a quarterback, teams that are willing to take a risk on the injuries, right? So these things pile up. And then you get into his tape profile, which although I think is good, it does have some downsides, specifically when thinking about fantasy football translation. But let's start with the positives here. I feel like I'm being too negative setting up Michael Penix. There are certainly positives to his game. He's very effective working in the pocket. He's light on his feet. He's quick moving around and within the pocket. And he can find good throwing windows. He's a very confident passer. He can lead his receivers downfield with good anticipation. He hits his receivers well in the downfield. He 50 yards 55 yards downfield he'll hit him in stride all right he does have to get a little air under the ball but he can hit him in stride he times it up well he'll throw a tight spiral underneath I don't think he has pure velocity but it's a tight spiral and it's enough right it's enough and he's comfortable working in the pocket under pressure now the mechanics they're a little concerning for me he doesn't come over the top of his release he consistently sidearms it He'll spend a lot of his time in the pocket at the next level, right? Because of this, not only the significant injury history to his knees, but he also just isn't the most mobile guy. So he's going to live in the pocket at the NFL level, right? And that's going to limit his fantasy football translation. I know a lot of people are really highly touting his accuracy, but it can be inconsistent. And if you look at some of Michael Penix's biggest throws, He's throwing up jump balls, man. He's playing a little huck and chuck at football down there. And it, I think he's really being helped out by the fact he has Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk, you know, being able to go up, Jalen McMillan being up, able to go up and get these balls, right? So it's not that I don't like Michael Penix Jr. I just think we need to pr- proceed with a little bit of realistic caution when it comes to him and his game. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move on here to quarterback eight. And this is got somebody who I think guys have kind of left behind, But I don't think we can forget about Spencer Rattler, the quarterback out of South Carolina. So let's go ahead. Let's take a look at this uh, definition of a gunslinger here when it comes to Spencer Rattler. Let's look at his profile. 6'1", 217, five-star prospect. He was the dude for Oklahoma. Uh, Lincoln Riley comes in. It seems like a really nice pairing. And then halfway through... Uh, his final season at Oklahoma, he gets replaced by Kaylee Williams, benched mid game, never got a shot to get his job back, transfers to South Carolina. Solid 2022 campaign, kind of getting his feet back under him. And he's taking a really nice step forward in 2023. Uh, And it wouldn't surprise me if Caleb or if Spencer Rattler is after is actually drafted above Michael Penix, drafted above Michael Pratt. From my understanding, the NFL is much higher on him than, than we think that they are. And for good reason here. That being said, I do project him right now, day too late. There's just a lot of quarterbacks that will go early. So I think we'll see a little bit of a gap and then we'll get a second round with guys like Rattler, Penix, Pratt, right? And my Dynasty Valley comparison here is Baker Mayfield. Stylistically, there's a lot of comparisons that you can make between Spencer Rattler and Baker Mayfield, except I think Rattler's actually got a little bit more tools to it. Uh, and I think mentality-wise, too, you could probably draw a lot of comparisons between the two guys. But let's talk about the tape here. Spencer Rattler, a textbook gunslinger here. Spencer Rattler, I'm convinced he has not met a pass that he isn't afraid to throw. That man will throw any pass at any point in the field, and he will do it with full confidence that he's going to make that throw. Now, NFL teams will love that. There are coaching staffs that love that. It also will be a negative, it will be a downside. With Spencer Rattler, you're going to get some really pretty plays, and you're just going to have to live with a couple bad interceptions, right? It's just, it's going to be a trade off of that mentality. He has really good footwork in the pocket. And I think he throws from a, a mostly uh, solid platform. I love his throwing motion. It's smooth. There's a quick release there. And I think for the most part, he does display good decision making, especially this year. You go to 2023 tape, the decision making has really improved, especially while he's working through his progressions. And that is is considerably impressive because his offensive line this year is, and I want to be fair to them. It's hot garbage, all right? So he's having to make good decisions under pressure a lot. I think one of his best games was Georgia, where he was under a ton of pressure, and he still performed very well. He has uh, not necessarily the best pure arm strength, but his mechanics really help him push the ball consistently 40, 45 yards downfield with relative ease. He's got a tight spiral. He's got good velocity through the midfield. And at times, his accuracy can be pinpoint. Like, it could be on the spot. But then there are examples, like I said, of him uh, forcing that ball into tight windows or, or he'll casually throw up a jump ball. Like Spencer Rattler loves to just toss up a fade. Uh, and even when it's, it's really just not an appropriate situation. But again, like I said, that's what you're going to get. He's a mobile playmaker. He's light on his feet. He has the athleticism to move the pocket. He can break off a big run. He's quick enough to beat linebackers to the edge. And Rattler, another guy, his accuracy and his mechanics, they don't fall off when he's on the run. And I think that's something that's pretty impressive as well. All right, two more guys that I want to talk about here. Consider this to be another tier drop-off. So both of the last two guys I'm going to talk about, I think they go day three in the NFL draft. But I do think they're worth keeping an eye on because I think if they get their shot, they could really succeed in the NFL. So let's go ahead here and start with Notre Dame's uh, Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman, he started at Wake Forest. He transfers to Notre Dame. Uh, it was really important for him this year to, you know, prove that he was more than just the, the Wake Forest mesh offense. And I think he's done a really good job with that. He's his momentum has certainly slowed through the midpoint of the season, but over the first, you know, four or five weeks of the season, he, he was performing at a really high level. So let's go ahead and dig into it a little bit more here. 6'1, 210, 3 star prospect. Again, coming in at quarterback nine in my rankings. I think he's going to be an early fourth round uh super flex selection here. My dynasty value comparison is going to be Josh Dobbs. It's a very friendly comparison right now. But I make it to say, you know, Josh Dobbs in in, you know, if you had him stashed on your bench hanging around, maybe you had to wait a few years to be able to use him in a deeper dynasty league. You just had him tucked away. Uh, believe it or not, I had Josh Dobbs tucked away in a couple of my deeper deeper leagues uh, and then all of a sudden you you know you get the opportunity and you know you're consistently performing and if you catch fire all of a sudden you have a ton of, of fantasy value, right? And that's the way dynasty works sometimes man, when you're using your fourth round picks, this is what you're looking for, right? These are the types of stashes you're looking for. All right, so let's talk about Sam Hartman's tape. I think he's a methodical. he's a rhythmic throwing motion. Uh, he brings consistency to the game, smooth, clean release. I think he throws from a stable platform. He finishes well through his throws. He's comfortable working within the pocket. He's comfortable extending the pocket. He's comfortable stepping through and up inside of the pocket. He remains poised under pressure. Now, he's not a pure athlete, but I do think he can scramble effectively, and he is definitely mobile enough to execute design runs. He's a good decision-making, uh, decision-maker. making decision He works through his progressions well, uh, and he rarely forces the ball into tight windows where uh, the defenders can get their hands on it. When you look at uh, Hartman's accuracy, I do think you could see examples of it ebbing and flowing throughout his tape. There's certainly times where he'll overthrow receivers, uh, but more often than not, you're actually going to see him underthrowing receivers. But for the most part here, he's going to get the job done. He's somebody who I think is a game manager. You're not necessarily going to toss him to the game in the NFL, let him throw the ball 40 times, but he can throw the ball 25 times. He's going to protect the ball. He's not necessarily going to put it in harm's way. Maybe he ends up with two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 250 yards in a game, right? You could you could tell the type of quarterback profile that I'm building out here, but can still be, you know, valuable for fantasy purposes. And then we're going to finish here with quarterback 10 in my rankings. And that's going to be Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback out of Miami. And I know Tyler Van Dyke has had a roller coaster collegiate career, but I definitely do think he's somebody who the NFL is still going to appreciate very much. So let's go ahead and get into his profile here. Tyler Van Dyke coming in at 6'4, 230 pounds. He was a three-star recruit coming out of Connecticut. Yes, a, a New England prospect here to break down. I think he goes day three early. That's rounds four and five. Because I do think the NFL is going to like his prototypical passing abilities, prototypical passer build, which, yes, the NFL still cares about that. Um, and and so I do think he's gonna end up getting, you know, relatively solid a draft capital think about a guy like Gardner Minshew he goes on day three he got a chance to start and he's never really gone away right he's a little bit of a journeyman uh but he gets opportunities to start and he stays fantasy relevant so you look at Van Dyke he can slice defense from within the pocket he's got a strong arm he's got a big arm he'll push that ball 45 50 55 yards downfield with relative ease he does not make it look difficult he'll fire ropes in the short field he can hit tight windows with great velocity through the midfield I think he feels pressure well. He's comfortable working within the pocket. Uh, Van Dyke, he's got clean footwork. He can move the pocket, scramble when he's needed to. Now, he's not going to be a pure mobile guy. He's not going to be a scrambler. I mean, this guy's 6'4", 230. He looks 6'4", 230, all right? So this he's pretty much going to live into the pocket. He doesn't have that fantasy football upside. Um, but I think he brings enough with his arm. Now, his throwing motion is a little bit long, but I think it's pretty much on par with the frame that he's got. And I do think he, he displays a, an impressive ability to drop his arm angle. Uh, to, to to break into a quick release when needed in the short field or in the flat which is not always something you see from a 64 guy so i think that's good uh, but here's the thing with van dyke it's inconsistent it's inconsistent decision making sometimes you you watch his ability to work through his progressions and he makes a great decision it looks you know nfl caliber and then other times he's making decisions that are just baffling you know terrible reads really poor decisions uh at times he's got great anticipation other times he'll throw you know, way behind his receiver. So for Tyler Van Dyke, man, it's, it's always been about putting it all together. He's had injuries throughout his collegiate career. He's had uh, offensive coordinator changes. He's had head coaching changes. So there's been a lot with Tyler Van Dyke. Um, and, you know, he's had a really great start statistically to 2023 season. And then he had such a bad run of form. He got benched against uh, Florida state. Then he comes back against Louisville and has one of his most impressive uh, outings of the season the next week. So, I do think that, you know, I understand if you're you're listening to me talk about Tyler Van Dyke and you don't want to hear it, but I think he's gonna be on NFL teams radars, and I think this is a guy that we're certainly going to be talking about. So I want to finish this episode here, and we're certainly not done yet. We have more content to break down. I want to talk about the guys that I didn't mention on this video because I expect them to return next year. And so it's not a slight on them. Shador Sanders. Out of Colorado, he's had a really impressive season. I think we'd be talking about him right there in that J.J. McCarthy range, somewhere uh, around J.J. McCarthy and uh, Drake May type range if he was going to come out this year. I think he's pretty locked into uh, the 2025 class, and I think he's going to have a legitimate shot to be uh, the quarterback one in the 2025 class. Carson Beck of Georgia is having a really great campaign. I think if he came out this year, he'd be a top 50 selection. Everything I'm hearing says that he fully intends on going back to Georgia for another season. And quite frankly, folks, If you waited your turn to be the starting quarterback of a two-time national championship team, and it looked like you were on track to go ahead and get your third national championship this year, why would you not plan on going back to get your fourth national championship, right? Like, why would Carson Beck not do that? Quinn Ewers out of Texas. It's been an up-and-down season. The tools are there. He's certainly been somebody disappointing in terms of the strength of this class. We thought we'd be talking about him right up there with Drake May maybe even up there with Caleb Williams. And it just hasn't come all together. Even before the injury that forced him to miss, I think three weeks of the season, even before that injury, I expected that he would return. And then when he got that injury, it seems all but certain he's going to return. Now he hasn't declared that, but it seems pretty safe that Quint Ewers is going to be heading back next year. Cam Ward out of Washington state. I really like Cam Ward. He had a really good start to the season. It's been a little bit more rocky here as they get into the deep part of the schedule. I do expect Cam Ward to return as well. I believe the report came out that confirmed that Jackson Dart is planning on returning at Ole Miss, but I do think that he's going to be a name that we'll talk about in next year's class. And then Jalen Milrow, I know he's put up some big weeks and he has that athleticism that catches the fan, the attention of fantasy football players. But uh, Jalen Milrow, I I don't think has any expectation that he'll come out uh, in this 2024 class. I think what will be really interesting is if Alabama recruits a transfer quarterback and then is Jalen Milrow even the starter? Does he transfer out? That's going to be the interesting thing to watch there. With Jalen Milroe. And then there's certainly names that uh, are going to be in the 2024 draft that I didn't have time to talk about in this video, but I wanted to go ahead and mention, anyways, as uh, guys who you could see pop up later in the process. Let's start with quarterback Joe Milton out of Tennessee. Huge arm uh, has not panned out. Didn't pan out at Michigan, hasn't panned out at Tennessee. My thing with Joe Milton is you could see the Tennessee coaching staff does not trust him to throw the ball. A major disappointment here. I expected that he could have been you know, in the top five of my quarterback rankings. And now look at this. He doesn't even get his own slide, right? KJ Jefferson, another guy, listen, KJ Jefferson, the arm talent. I think it's super cap. The coaching staff did not help him at all this year. I do think that he'll probably still be a, a day three selection in the NFL draft, but uh, you know, I'm struggling to project him for, for fantasy football relevance. Colin McCord. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think he's out of eligibility. He might have one more year, but I don't think he would win that job again. So I think he's probably going to be in that late day three undrafted territory. Jalen Daniels at Kansas. He's a great athlete. He's just struggled to stay healthy. I believe he's out of eligibility. Uh, you can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. So that might be one where he ends up being a UDFA, but hangs around a practice squad can get promoted. DJ Uolongbulele out of Oregon state. I mean, this is a guy we were you know, talking about both him and, uh, you know, DJ and uh, Spencer Rattler were supposed to be, you know, top three fantasy picks, and I think DJU still has a lot to bring to an NFL team. I do think that he can be a day three selection. I think he's going to impress in the meetings in front of the coaching staff. So I do think that he will still be fantasy relevant, but I can't pinpoint a full slide for him at this point in time. Uh, Jordan Travis, man, this is tough. It, it's so tough with Jordan Travis. I gotta say, I've always liked Jordan Travis more as a collegiate player than an NFL prospect, but. Man, with this late-season knee injury, uh, I think it's going to be really tough to project anything fantasy-relevant, unfortunately, for Jordan Travis at this point in time. Uh, Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. We don't talk a ton about Dylan Gabriel. He's a little undersized. He doesn't have the biggest arm. But working from the pocket, man, I think Dylan Gabriel, probably in UDFA territory, but I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck in. You know, some of these guys, like a Dylan Gabriel or a DJ Ongolongole, remember, it only takes one team, right? It only takes one team to like you. Aiden O'Connell? Aiden O'Connell went in the fourth round, man. Uh, one team liked him, Las Vegas Raiders. And look, now he's starting. So, it, you know, with all of these guys, you only got to impress one coaching staff. Uh, Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. You know, this is somebody who I definitely think could gain more momentum. You know, maybe if I was doing this this preview video in, in two months, I'd put him in my top 10. That's certainly possible. But I do this early. That's the benefit of the rookie big board. So uh, Grayson McCall, keep an eye on him out of Coastal Carolina. Dual threat kind of passer. Will Rogers, man, Will Rogers got did dirty under this coaching staff. He had a great thing going uh, with Mike Leach and that air raid offense. Unfortunately, with the tragic passing of Mike Leach, they did the coaching change and Zach Arnett moved him totally away from the air raid. Will Rogers is an air raid quarterback. It was a really tough timing for him. I do think an NFL team could still uh, give, give Will Rogers a look Hudson card. I know it's not the sexiest name in the world, but Hudson card, man, he's a game manager. NFL likes game managers. It's very impressive what Louisville's doing, and he's going to get a lot of eyes on him, right? As they're they heading into the ACC championship game, there's going to be plenty of Louisville tape. Uh, so Hudson Card, I think he's going to get a shot, and then Cameron Rising. This is an interesting one. Cameron Rising didn't end up playing at all this year because of the injury. Uh, you know, I didn't really love his his tape review when I did a prospect analysis of him. Uh, maybe he could come back to Utah and play another season, or maybe he heads off to the NFL draft, probably in UDFA territory, but. I do think his name was worth mentioning as well. So there you go, full full 10 full player profile breakdowns, even more names to watch here. Uh, so over 20 quarterbacks discussed here on this episode. If you want in-depth analysis and breakdown on all of these players, access to the Rookie Big Board Discord where we're giving personalized advice, one-on-one draft strategy calls, my 2024 Rookie Guide over 100 pages. Go ahead, hit the link in the episode description. Join us over at patreon.com slash rookie big board. You can get ahead of your league mates. Hit like, leave a comment here. I appreciate you checking out this episode of the rookie big board.